You're listening to Slow Theology, Simple Faith for Chaotic Times, with A.J. Swoboda and E.J. Gupta. Well, welcome back to Slow Theology. A.J. Swoboda here with my uh, dear uh, co-conspirator and friend, uh, Nijay Gupta, and we are in the midst of our journey through uh, the Apostles' Creed. We've been spending time looking at uh, some of these uh, declarative statements that uh, the early uh, Christian Apostles' Creed says about uh, Jesus. And uh, uh, the first statement, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, um, is followed by this statement about uh, Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And we're going to spend some time today, and we're going to talk about that uh, that idea, that second line of uh, Jesus being born to us, uh, Jesus Christ, his only Son, uh, our, our Lord. Uh, one of my favorite things to do with my students is to mess up basically everything that they think they know about the name of Jesus. Um, and what I mean when I say that is <clears throat> that um, Jesus Christ wasn't his actual name, uh, was it? Uh, that that is not. That's right. Um, that is not. If if he had a driver's license, um, <laughs> I, although it, I, he's Jesus strikes me as probably being uh, a bus guy. He'd probably ride the bus a lot. But if he were to have a driver's <laughs> license, his first name is not Jesus, and his last name is not Christ. Those uh, two words have a lot of uh, meaning, but those were not his original names. Uh, in fact, Jesus uh, is born uh, a young uh, child. Jesus is born with the name Yeshua, which is, mm-hmm. of course, uh, the uh, the Hebrew name for Joshua uh, in the Old Testament. And, of course, Christ is um, a translation of uh, the Hebrew word Mashiach, anointed one. Christ is the anointed one. He's the anointed uh, Messiah who's given the task of um, of of doing something specific. We actually have a lot of messiahs in the Old Testament. Um, not not just one, but Jesus is a unique messiah with a unique responsibility. Um, <clears throat> the fact that Jesus is called Yeshua, Joshua, would for the uh, original audience have had a lot of meaning uh, because when Jesus is taken down to the River Jordan and baptized, this is not the first time that we have a Joshua entering the Jordan River to do something significant. Um, the, of course, Joshua in the Old Testament uh, leads Israel across uh, the River Jordan into the Promised Land, and now a new Joshua, Yeshua, is leading a whole new people into a whole new Promised Land, although this one is not spatial. Uh, it is a a, a, a kingdom uh, right. orientation. I bring all this up to say, Nijay, that Jesus... Um, and by the way, when I say all that, it's okay to worship the name of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is an Englishized version of the name Joshua, and Jesus understands who we're talking to when we say the name Jesus. But Jesus was born in a culture. He was born as a person. He was born with a history. He was born with a genealogy. He was born with um, a 23andMe account. He has a background, a history. He didn't come out of nowhere. In the incarnation, the story of Jesus is the story of God taking on a culture, a flesh, and a moment in history uh, to accomplish something uh, significant. And so, <clears throat> what do we know about this Jesus? Well, um, <clears throat> we know a good deal. There's a lot we don't know. The Gospel of John ends with this comment that even if all the books in the world could contain 
the, the things of Jesus. They, there wouldn't be enough. Right. But we know for sure that Jesus is God uh, in the flesh, in person, here and with us, um, which is the most scandalous idea probably in the history of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when we're reading through the creed and we start with, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, um, it has kind of a generic quality to it. It is very Jewish in, in the, you know, calling of God, Father, but, you know, nothing really specific to time and space is mentioned other than kind of the fact of creation. But once you get into that next line, I believe in Jesus Christ, you start getting into a Hebraic world write a Hebraic name, and all of a sudden you have this, you go from this grandiose father, you know, this this almost mysterious who is this person, to a really specific human being named Jesus Christ. I want to share some things from my research that, you know, I, I've, I've just found really interesting that put historically Jesus in perspective, and uh, uh, I've been reading up a lot on Greek religion. And one of the interesting things from Greek religion, AJ, is people went to oracles, kind of like going to your psychic uh, psychic reader down the street. Um, people went to oracles, and we have records. We have these lead tablets that record, um, that are kind of like uh, archives of what people ask oracles about their fate and future, things like, should I join the military? Should I marry this girl? If it's a slave, should I run away? And there's some really interesting, kind of funny ones sometimes. So for, here's one example. So this is a, a person going to an oracle, calling them good fortune. Um, Antiochus, so I'm in the story, I'm Antiochus. Antiochus asks Zeus and Diane about his own health and that of his father and sister. Which god or hero is it best and most valuable to honor? And uh, then the answer comes, he should go quickly to Hermes. Um, so someone is going to go to an oracle and basically say, I want to be blessed. Can you give me the name <laughs> mm. of a good God that I should be worshiping? And then they give a name. And, you know, it goes on and on. One of my favorite ones is this person has lost their pillow and blankets. And they say, you know, I think its name's Agus. He says, I've lost my pillow and blankets do you know who ticket? And the answer from the Oracle is Agus. He's like, wait, is that me? <laughs> or is that someone with my name? The whole point of this though, is, um, you know, the apostle Paul in the new Testament speaking to, you know, a crowd of, uh, uh, you know, Greeks and Romans tells them that they have a tomb, reminds them they have a tomb to an unknown God. And he kind of launches this brilliant sermon on the fact that, Hey, I have a name that you should know. <laughs> you go to oracles looking for a name. I have a name you should know. I love that. And that actually reminds me of a story about N.T. Wright. I got this from Mike Bird. Um, so Tom Wright, I guess when he was teaching undergraduates, would teach a course, an, a kind of freshman course on theology and religion, uh, Christian theology and religion. And a student came up to him during kind of uh, open house, kind of a you know, pre, you know, pre-first week open house and, and had the boldness to say to probably a young Tom Wright, um, you're not going to see me very much. I don't plan on being involved in class because I don't believe in God. And Tom Wright said, uh, which God is it that you don't believe in? 
and it took the person back. Oh my, I don't believe in a God that's judgmental, closed minded, sends people to hell for no reason, all stuff. And, and Tom, you know, quickly thought up with, Oh, that's okay. I don't believe in that God either. And, you know, it's a great anecdote, but it's also, um, reflects something true about the creed that the creed actually was formed to help us make sure we're reading scripture correctly, you know, or in an orthodox way. Um, and, and part of that is focusing on Jesus. Um, you mentioned Jesus Christ. One of the words that sticks out to me, AJ, is not just the word Lord, which means master ruler, but our Lord. Um, I don't know why I, I actually looked it up in Greek, you know, cause the creeds were, you know, written in Greek and Latin. I had to look it up again just to make sure the word ours in there because sometimes we put it in there just to fill meaning. But it actually is in there. I don't know why I'm drawn to that, but this idea that God is on our side. You know what I mean? That in Jesus Christ, God is on our side. Hmm. Um, I know Karl Barth made a big deal of this, basically saying Jesus, the incarnation is God's promise that he's on our side. Hmm. Um, I really I really love that. Um I want to ask you, you know, you're Pentecostal. I want to ask you why you think the creed goes out of its way to point out that Jesus is, first of all, begotten. Can you explain that? But then also conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, mm. Can you talk about those things? I'm sure you've thought about them. Well, the, um, yeah, I'd love to address that. But before I do, the the, the comment that you made about uh, the name of Jesus being significant—that we have His name, that we have His His—that the that 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 His name is even mentioned—is significant uh, in and of itself. That we have His name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have in this uh, in the creed we have some titles: Lord, Son, Christ. These are titles, um, but that we have His actual personal name is equally significant to uh, the titles. The Bible doesn't always give us somebody's name. So, for example, in Genesis 3, when we're introduced to the serpent, the Nachash in Hebrew, that's not a name. That's not a name. That's a title. Uh, it's a, he's a serpent. He's a, that's his title. Right. Pharaoh is not a name. It's a title. Uh, he is, uh, we don't actually know which Pharaoh it was. And they're the only people that are named in Exodus one are the Hebrew midwives that, uh, save the lives of, uh, of the babies and Pharaoh goes unnamed. So the fact that we have his name shouldn't, we shouldn't just go past that. That's important. We have a name upon which we can call. So I just, I just, I think that the significance of having a personal name is, isn't, is not unimportant for, for this creed. But to the point about the conception of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, years ago, I remember, um, in a book I wrote years ago called Messy God Likes It The Way. This, that, Messy God Likes It That Way. Probably the worst titled book in the history of Christianity. I didn't, I didn't determine the title, but in that book, I write about the, um, the way that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is 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 consistently portrayed as the Spirit hovering over the, the these different distinct elements. So, right, the Spirit hovers over the creation, Tohu Vavahu. The Spirit hovers over the creation. Then you have the Spirit hovering over Israel in the desert. Then you have the Spirit hovering over the tabernacle, and then you have the Spirit hovering over the temple. Well, when we finally come to the New Testament uh, and the the earliest writings of, uh, for example, the Gospel of Luke, when Luke is telling his story of the Spirit who overshadows Mary, yeah. the Spirit who overshadows Mary, he goes out of his way to use the same word 
that was used in the Greek Septuagint, which translated the Hebrew text into Greek. Uh, and he uses the, the word episkiazo, which is the word for overshadowing. The, the point being that he is, he is going out of his way to say the same spirit that hovered over creation is, is the same spirit that hovered over Israel, that hovered over the tabernacle, that hovered over X, Y, and Z is the same spirit that hovers over um, that hovers over Mary to overshadow her with the spirit. This is a cumulative image of the spirit's work that is bringing uh, a, a new kingdom into order in the person uh, of, of Jesus. And so <clears throat> as a Pentecostal, um, every, um, every single one of us should appreciate that Acts 2 tells the story of the spirit hovering over the church. And that the same spirit that overshadowed Mary is now overshadowing the church and bringing uh, the church into the world in a new moment in our time. So, yes, that matters. Um, The the spirit conceiving the life within Mary uh, and the same thing happens with Elizabeth, of course, that the the spirit is in the child who is in Elizabeth, the John the Baptist figure. The spirit is within him. So, So interesting how many connections there are between uh, an unborn pregnancy, an unborn child, and the spirit, and that the spirit is giving life uh, even in the in the in the chaotic realms of the dark. What what about, uh, let me make a comment about the name thing. I just came up with this. You can tell me if this is brilliant. But um, you know, in the Greco-Roman world it was it was extremely common to name people after God to name humans after gods. Apollos is an extremely common name. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, you, you don't have that many Zeus's out there that I don't know if that was considered blasphemy, but you had certain names that would, you know, even Hermes would be a name that, you know, a, a human could have. Diane, you know, was a name that named of a God that humans could have. Interestingly, that, that in the incarnation, the son of God himself takes a human name. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so just that interesting interesting reversal that normally humans take God's name and here God (laughs) is taking a human name. Yeah. It's, it's the, which it seems to me to reflect a little bit of the human spirit that we, we a little bit like the Satan figure are attempting to ascend to the heavens and become like the gods when God is attempting to become a human, uh, to meet us. It's, 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 it shouldn't shock us that we're not understanding each other. We're all (laughs) going the opposite direction. Yeah. I think that's really, uh, that's a really beautiful image of, um, the, the direction, right? Where, yeah, one is, uh, becoming human. One is attempting to become a God. Um, but that, that speaks volumes. I'm curious, uh, this, this this whole line about born of a virgin Mary, you know, Nijay, I remember years ago, there was a book written that questioned whether the virgin birth of Jesus actually mattered. Does it matter? You know, I, I the first time that this really um, hit home for me was actually we talked about Ben Meyer's work, I think, last time. And he has a really good little section in his book on the Apostles Creed on on the line about born of the Virgin Mary. Um, and what he pointed out was God, uh, there's a history in the Bible of God doing great things through uh, women and, and childbearing women in particular. Um, and, you know, to give the example, you know, of Hannah, uh, Hannah having, you know, faith and, and having this child and dedicating her, de- dedicating her to the Lord. 
Um, it does matter, I think. You know, you know the creeds of old of various not well not creeds but the but the myths of old um, rarely focus on a woman, and to have you know essentially only two historical people men, other than Jesus mentioned in the creed. One of them is Pontius Pilate, who we'll talk about later. One of them is Mary. Um, it kind of says something about Christianity that the you know the people killing killing God are the political powers of the world and the people raising God <laughs> are you know the teenage villagers you know the the, 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 the peasant teenage villager um, and again there's no mention of Joseph which is really interesting that God's gonna put you know his only begotten son into the hands of you know, essentially of a teenager. What I find really interesting about the Gospels in that regard is um, Jesus doesn't really have a father figure. Normally, if, you're, if your father died in that world, an uncle or a grandparent would step in, or an older brother would step in and play that role. And what's fascinating is we don't see that. Yeah, Jesus had brothers and, you know, relatives, but we don't see that father figure. So Mary is carrying the weight mm-hmm. <laughs> of taking care of Jesus, even into adulthood, as we see in the wedding Cana and things like that. Um, do you want to add more to that? I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have much to say about the virgin birth, except if we can believe in the resurrection, we can believe in anything. But yeah. what you, what's your take on that? Well, I, I think of all, I think the only person in the creed whose uh, sexual status is mentioned is, uh, is, is Mary. And what I mean by that is it goes out of its way to, to mention her, her, her non, that this is not a child of natural origin. This is not a child of the natural means of things this is a supernatural activity and of course yeah like you said the story of the bible is full of um, stories of women who um, should be able to have kids who can't and then stories of women who can't have kids who can and this uh, story you mentioned Karl Barth is bookended with uh, the resurrection of Jesus and that uh, and that Jesus comes out of uh, what should have been a closed womb and then ends his life coming out of what should have been a full tomb. And, mm-hmm. and that you, you have almost the bookends of Jesus's life, him coming out of something he shouldn't be able to come out of on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the, I've got to confess, of all the things in the creed, the one that makes my rationality or logic most uncomfortable is the idea of the virgin birth. <laughs> Not that I don't believe it, but it, it offends a part of my rational nature. And I think that it's important that we hold to the idea of the virgin birth for the simple fact that it dethrones our reason from being the only means by which we know. Meaning it it should offend. There's a part of the gospel that should always offend that part of our brain that says uh, it's got to be reasonable and logical to be believed. And the reality is we don't believe it because it's reasonable and logical. We believe it because it's true. And reason does not always have reason cannot always hold the mystery of truth. Um, And so I think for that very reason, it absolutely does matter, even if we don't fully understand it. So we're going to talk next time. We're going to keep going on the slow and we're going to keep going and talk about the creed the next time. And I'm excited in our next episode because we're going to talk about Pontius Pilate. I have some questions and some things I want to bring up with Pontius Pilate. Um, But the incarnation, it's beautiful. 
and it is at the cornerstone of uh, of our faith, and we hold to it um, with with everything in us. Thanks, DJ, for this great conversation. Yeah, absolutely.